Our gospel reading for us this morning comes to us from the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 35 through 51. If you are able, please stand for the hearing of the gospel. The following day, John was again standing with two of his disciples. As Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, Look, there is the Lamb of God. When John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. Jesus looked around and saw them following. What do you want, he asked them. They replied, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come and see, he said. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place where he was staying. And they remained with him the rest of the day. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard what John said and then followed Jesus. Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, Your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Come, follow me. Philip was from Bethesda, Andrew and Peter's hometown. Philip went to look for Nathanael and told him, We have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nazareth, exclaimed Nathanael, Can anything good come from Nazareth? Come and see for yourself, Philip replied. As they approached, Jesus said, Now here is a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. How do you know about me? Nathanael asked. Jesus replied, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. Then Nathanael exclaimed, Rabbi, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. Jesus asked him, Do you believe this just because I told you I had seen you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than this. Then he said, I tell you the truth. You will all see heaven open up and the angels of God going up and down on the Son of Man, the one who is the stairway between heaven and earth. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Will you join me in prayer? Most holy and gracious God, Father, Lord, we give you thanks for this day. We give you thanks for your love and your grace and your mercies. And Lord, as we enter into this time of discipleship, we ask you to open our hearts and our minds and our ears so that we may be attentive to your word speaking to us. Turn out distractions of our day and our lives so that we may focus entirely upon your word speaking to us. And Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, our rock and our Redeemer. Amen. I don't know about you, but sometimes when I read a scripture passage, I will sometimes close my eyes and imagine what the scene looked like, and maybe even imagine what the scene would look like if it took place today. And this is one of those passages where I often just sit back and close my eyes and just kind of picture the whole scene taking place. And I often imagine it with John sitting by a fence post. 
you know, I remember, I grew up in southern West Virginia with a bunch of farms and country, you know, even though I was on the big populated side of it. I can always imagine John sitting by a fence, talking to his friends and maybe getting ready for the day and getting ready to travel for that journey. And I can imagine John sitting there with some of his disciples. And the disciples was really just someone who followed a teacher. And so these, there were people who followed John the Baptist because he was a great teacher. And I can imagine him sitting along that fence post and just talking and sharing, watching the day go by. When all of a sudden Jesus stops by. The same Jesus that a couple days earlier John had baptized, the same Jesus that these disciples of John are wondering, who in the world is this guy? same Jesus that John had just described as the son, of, the son of God, the Lamb of God. I can almost imagine John looking at his disciples and saying, that guy. You see that man over there? That's the one you should be following, not me. Go follow him. I can almost imagine him pointing in that direction of, that's the one. That's the one you need to be following. That's the Lamb of God. I can, I can almost imagine his disciples looking down the road going, Him? But we just met him. What's so fascinating about this guy? Why is John pointing to him? And I can almost imagine the wheels and their, their minds turning and turning and turning and I can almost hear John say, no, I mean it. That's him. That's the Messiah. That's the king. No matter how you vision that story taking place, what takes place next sets the stage for the rest of the Gospel of John and sets the stage for an immaculate look at what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And what Jesus is asking of us as followers of God and disciples of Christ. This passage, this look into who this Jesus is, comes in the midst as John is identifying Jesus. If you remember last week in our online worship, we talked about how John is introducing Jesus. And introducing Jesus not through the lens of a of a birth narrative, but through the lens of this pre-existent word. And we said that John describes Jesus as the word of God, as the pre-existent word, the one who was existing before all time. And this week he's continuing the introductions, continuing to set the stage for who this Jesus is and why he is so important. John's doing something a little bit different than Matthew, Mark, and Luke in their Gospels. Though they tell the story of Christ through stories and anecdotes and, and different interactions, John is telling a theological story. A story that answers the question of why. Why this Jesus? Why this one? Why does he matter so much to us? And so he's already said that this Jesus is the preexistent word. And even before this passage, he's already set the stage and using a word that will 
define a lot of John's understanding of Jesus, not just in the Gospel of John, but also in 1st, 2nd, 3rd John and Revelation. That is this idea of Jesus as the Lamb of God. John is the only writer of the four Gospels to use this phrase, Lamb of God, but it is a phrase that we see twice in John's Gospel, but it is a major phrase that identifies who Jesus is. He's using a phrase and he's using a connection point that signifies that Jesus is coming to be the sacrificial lamb for all. By identifying this phrase of lamb, he's calling the reader to mind of the sacrificial practices of where you would offer a lamb for the sins of your family, for your sin, but also for the sin of the community. In identifying that Jesus is the lamb of God, He's offering that Jesus is that lamb, like, much like the lamb that came from Abraham and Isaac, the one that comes from God to provide salvation and hope for every person. So already in the first 30 verses of John's gospel, we've been told that this is someone worth following. This is someone worth paying attention to. This is the word of God. This is the lamb of God. This is the Messiah, the anointed one. And so as we pick up the story, as we perhaps sit along that fence post, he's pointing to his disciples and saying, go with him. Go with him. And two of his disciples, Andrew and an unknown disciple, pick up the journey and follow after Jesus. Now, this unknown disciple, we don't know exactly who this person might have been. We think uh, this is supplication. This is a guess. We think that this is also the beloved disciple. John uses a phrase of the beloved disciple throughout the gospel to self-identify himself. We think the same disciple, St. John, who was known as the beloved disciple, is also the one who authored the Gospel of John. And so we think this unknown disciple could be another autobiographical sketch to the Apostle John. That we don't know that for certain, but that there's enough textual evidence, there's enough historical evidence to suggest that this might be John that has left the John the Baptist, different person, and follow along this journey wherever Jesus is going. Now, we don't know for certain where Jesus is going. He's just off on his way. Somewhere along Judea, somewhere along Jericho, where John the Baptist had been doing his baptismal work along the Jordan River. And so we can assume that Jesus is on the road between Jericho and Galilee, getting ready to start his Galilean ministry that would define the majority of his earthly life. Well, as Andrew and this unknown disciple catch up to Jesus, Jesus turns around and looks at him. He sees them coming. He sees them before they see him. He looks back at them and says, what do you want? What are you here for? That same phrase, that same question that Jesus has, will use later on in his Galilean ministry to a father that is just desperate looking for help of what do you want me to do for you? It's a question intended for us to 
look into our heart, into the depths of our soul to express what we're deeply looking for. And Andrew and, and this unknown disciple, they, they speak up and they say, well, where are you staying? Now to us, that might seem like a little foreign of a question, answer to a question. Jesus is asking, what are you looking for? And next thing you know, they ask, well, where are you staying? The meaning of that is something significant. What they're asking is, can we stay with you? Can we be your disciple? Can we go where you're going? And Jesus says, come and see. He invites them to come along the journey with him. Invites them to come and see what this life is going to be all about. Come and see what is taking place. Now, notice what Jesus doesn't do in this invitation. He doesn't tell them that they have to wear the right clothes. He doesn't tell them that they have to know all five points of major theology. He doesn't tell them that you have to have the right political perspective. He doesn't even tell them that you have to go to the right church. He just says, come along. Come along for the ride. Come and experience this for yourself. Come and be a part of this. Jesus offers a, a similar word of, of invitation to Philip a little bit later on, but a, a, in a different context of follow me. In the follow me, he's asking Philip to commit himself to Jesus. To not just be a part of this journey, to not just come along for the ride, to not just put your toe in and see if you can stay up on the water. But he's inviting them to, into a commitment. Inviting them to be transformed by the love of God. To be transformed by Christ on this journey. To let go of everything you knew before and they gain everything in Christ. Come and see, follow me. These words of invitation to be a part of this discipleship journey are offered to Andrew and to Philip, and immediately they want others to be a part of this journey. They're so transfixed on this Jesus, they are so amazed by this Jesus, and they are so in awe of what they have already experienced that they want others to be a part of this journey as well. Andrew goes to Simon Peter and says, brother, we have found the one we've been looking for. I need you to see this. Philip goes to Nathaniel and says, we've seen the Jesus. He's from Nazareth and you can't believe this, but he's actually the Messiah. And both of them respond. Nathaniel with a little bit of skepticism Simon with a, a rush in to see what this is all about. But they both respond to the invitation to come and see what this is all about. Because they've experienced it in someone else and they want to see it for themselves if this is true. And when they do, they see their lives transformed by the presence of God in front of them. And they too have a discipleship moment because they've been on the journey with Christ. This whole story between Andrew and Philip and 
Simon and Nathaniel, and most importantly, Jesus, I think gives us a, a way to think about 2022. And a model of discipleship that I believe that we need to reclaim in the church. We talk a lot about discipleship. We talk a lot about growth. But let's be honest, the type of growth that we talk about is trying to fill the pews and keep our doors open. That's not the growth that Jesus talks about. The type of growth that Jesus calls us into is to make disciples of Jesus Christ. To make disciples. Not church members. Not people who will sit on pews. Not people who will serve on committees. Though that's important. But to make followers of Jesus Christ. And if there's anything I think that we need to recapture in this new year, it is a pathway of discipleship that invites us into a journey and invites others to come for themselves. A journey that first starts with us to come and see. Every one of us has had that invitation today to come and see what this life is all about. to come and see who Jesus is in our lives, to come and see who Jesus is in this world, to come and see Christ working in our lives. Jesus invites you on this journey to not just come and feel the motions, to not just come and do the same things over and over again just because that's what they are, to come and be a part of a deeper journey that allows us to grow in Christ's likeness. Jesus looks at you today and me and says, I want you to come along for the ride. And we do that by coming in for worship. We do that by coming in and reading our Bibles. We do that by coming in and praying and asking God, where are you leading me? Where are you leading us? And then Jesus says, follow me. Jesus does invite us to just stay on the journey as people sitting on the edges and going, well, I'm gonna sit here and wait for this whole show to start. Jesus does invite us to sit back and just watch others do it. He invites us to follow him, to leave everything that was and to go where Jesus is going, to offer our full commitment to Christ. Not a commitment only if we get our needs met, not a commitment only if we have everything that we want, but a commitment that says we are willing to lose everything in order to gain everything in Christ. full commitment of our whole life, our whole families that allows us to be renewed and transformed. And then a discipleship model that invites us to go and bring others along for the journey with an invitation to come and see. Now this invitation is not just, hey, I want you to come to Pea Ridge and I want you to come be a part of this church. Here's a little bit of a fact for all of us. If you go to someone and just simply invite them to come join you for church, you know what they're gonna hear? They're looking for someone to fill a pew. 
and they're not really interested in me. They're just looking for someone to fill a pew and maybe even serve on a board. The invitation that changes hearts and changes lives is one that says, why does this matter to you? Why does this walk, why does this life matter to you? The invitation to discipleship is come and see why this is so important. I think this would be so good for you to just come along and be a part of this. You don't have to do anything, you just have to come in and see this. Because this has been so meaningful for my life and I think it'll be so meaningful for you. Or hey, I know you're hurting. I think this would be good for you. We've got some discipleship groups that'd be great for you. Or hey, we're trying to figure this out too. And we don't have it all figured out, but you know what, we're trying our best. Our pastor's a little goofy. He gets himself hurt every two weeks. But you know what? We're trying our best. Honest, transparent invitations that come with the come and see. Changes hearts and minds more than just come fill a pew. And I think in this year, what people are looking for is authenticity. Authenticity in discipleship and authenticity in our invitation and even in our discipleship walk. And so as we enter into this journey, I want to invite you to come and see. Maybe you've been sitting in the last two years in the pew going, I'll wait till this thing's over with. Or maybe you thought, well, I know everything there is to know about Jesus. And maybe you thought, I'm just, I don't need that discipleship. That's not for me. Everyone needs to be in discipleship. I want you to come and see. Come and see maybe by coming to worship more, maybe coming and see by being a part of a Sunday school group or a discipleship group. Or maybe if there's a discipleship group that's not good for you, come to talk to me about saying, hey, pastor, I got this great idea for a discipleship group. And you know what you're going to hear me say if you come to me with an idea for a great discipleship group? You got my blessing, go rock and roll. And yes, I will say go rock and roll because that's just my thing. But then make a commitment to follow Jesus. To be willing to lose everything to gain Christ. Then make a commitment to invite others along for the ride. Not because we want to grow the church, not because we want to grow our bank accounts. None of that matters. What matters are lives and people's souls. And winning people and changing people's lives and changing our community. Jesus invites us to a deeper life. And my friends, as we enter 2022, I want to invite us to a deeper life. You're not too old. You're not too tired. Maybe I'm a little too sore today. But Christ has something for us in this year. I don't know what it is. I don't know where it will take us. But Christ has something big in store for us this year. And my friends, I want you to come and see what it's all about. 
Let's pray. Most holy and gracious God, Father, Lord, help us to hear your invitation to come alongside you. Help us to come and see what you have for us this year. God, we are so excited about this year. Lord, help us to come and see what you have in this new year, in this new life, so that we may grow closer to you. Through Christ we pray, amen.